Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Exploring Missions' purpose is to let you know that God can use you in carrying out the Great Commission. And over these years, we've had guests that have gone to foreign countries, those that have gone across the streets, just like the introduction says. And uh, we hope that you will understand that you are on mission for God. I want to read a passage of Scripture that would introduce what we're doing today. I believe it's from Psalm 145, uh, verses uh, 1 uh, through 9, and it says, I will extol you, O God, my King. I will bless your name forever and every. Every day I bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I'll meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and in your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Again, that's Psalm 145, verses 1 through 9. And that introduces us about his tender mercies, about his calling, about one generation sharing with others what God has done. So today on Exploring Missions, we want to talk about a mission trip that was taken for the purpose, I think, of encouraging, but also challenging and witnessing of the greatness of God. Our guest today is Hannah Harrison. Hannah, welcome. Thank you, Brother Bart. Thanks for having me. Well, it's always good to have you, and you're an employee here at AFR. I sure and am. AFA, I should say AFA. AFA. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I'm a journalist for the American Family Journal. And you're a graduate of what? Blue what? Mountain College. Oh, well, you, they hear about Blue Mountain College on Exploring the Missions quite a bit. <laughs> Surely not. Yeah, and uh, but we appreciate you coming in and sharing this time. One of the things we love to do on Exploring Missions is share how the employees here at AFA and AFR are involved in ch- their churches mm-hmm. and other ministries that mm-hmm. that are on mission for God. And so every time I have the opportunity to to interview someone that's been on a mission trip from mm-hmm. AFA, I love to do that. So let me ask you, where in the world did your mission trip take you? We went to Abergavenny, Wales. Um, so, in Wales. <laughs> okay. Uh, Wales, some of you may have to get a globe out or an atlas out to find out where that small country is. Mm-hmm. It's a part of the United Kingdom, it is. Uh, right next to England. Mm-hmm. England is the only border country the rest of it's water, water. around it isn't <laughs> yes it? sir it's a very small country in reality mm-hmm. and not very high population at all i think 3.1 million right at its last time i heard probably maybe it have grown a little many. bit yeah mm-hmm. and so 
Well, tell me about the mission trip. Who'd you go with? So I went with Hillcrest Baptist Church. Um, from, from where? Where? From New Albany, Mississippi. Yeah. Um. So we, well, it was our choir that went. So um, I actually haven't been there very long. I moved uh, last year um, to Hillcrest, and it was really just an awesome opportunity that the Lord just kind of opened up. I sing as well. And um, the choir director, Brother Don, um, I Don Chandler, John Chandler, yes, sir. I'd um, ask him about joining choir, and he goes, "Well, would you want to go to Wales?" And I was like, "Um, yes, sir." <laughs> kind of a question mark because, um, you know, I was new. Um, but it was a really awesome opportunity, and it, you can just tell that the Lord just kind of opened the doors just yeah. for me to go. And that was not the choir's first or their first it, ministry to Wales. It's it, been an ongoing ministry, yes, has it sir. not? I believe that was their second time. Yeah. Well, I think that was the choir's second time, and then I think Brother Don and a smaller group had gone before. So. Okay. As you went, and you shared where you went, can you describe that town that you went to? It was, um, so I, I'm a... I love English, England, the 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 streets, the cobblestone streets, and we were up in the mountains um, where we were kind of in a valley, but you could see the um, the mountains, and it was just a really small town, and I can't spell Abergavenny, so please don't ask me. You're doing good to pronounce it for <laughs> this boy, I'm telling you. Um, but it was super beautiful. Um, unfortunately, it rained every day we were there. I think all but one afternoon we had sunny, sunny sunshine, but um, we couldn't. Um, we, we still went out. We were still walking the streets in our rain gear, um, but it was a beautiful town okay. with, with awesome people. I think they were some of the most generous and the kindest people I've ever met. Was it connected with a church there in that we town? We were. Um, Cornerstone was the church that we worked with. Okay. Um, so, yes, sir. And and so how many was in your group? Do you remember the number? Was it 11 or 12 or something like that? I Pretty think hard? it was 18. 18. I th- okay. It was a big group. It was a while ago was, since you it was, went. Yes, so sir. You, it was in December. We've gone through the, uh, <laughs> we've gone through the pandemic and yes. I, since then, so everything is kind of fuzzy, isn't it? Yeah. It is. But it but was a big group. It so. was a big group. You had a great time. I did. It was wonderful. Okay. Uh when you did this, the relationships you built on a mission trip mm-hmm. with those that go with you, they're mm-hmm. real as well, aren't they? They are, very much so. But tell us a little bit about that. You you were kind of new to I, Hillcrest Church. By the way, let me share, I was interim pastor during that period you of time. You were. You were there when I joined. Yeah, and she joined anyway, <laughs> and so we praise the Lord. And she has stayed. That's great. I have. And uh, But you, that was kind of new, so you you got to build some relationships during that period of time. It was. Um, so um, one of my cousins, um, Mary-Kate Thompson, she went as well, and she and I were roommates. So obviously we've known each other for a while. Um, but there were, I mean, I, I didn't even know some of their names, to be entirely honest with you, until I went. And so I kind of felt a little intimidated going in because I'm like, you know, Lord, I just don't know these people. I know I'm going for you, but... Um, as we went on throughout the week, it was so much fun. Um, Kathy Willard went and she's, she's an older lady. I believe she's in her seventies, 60, seventies. Um, and so she's a little bit older, but it's just really interesting to me how the Lord just builds those makes, you know, there's, he just crosses the bridge, I guess, um, just to lead you into new friendships, no matter the age difference. Traveling together is a unique way to do that, but then traveling together with the purpose of a mission trip, even uh, I would say it galvanizes those relationships, and 
unforgettable experiences. It does. Well, you you talked about the people that you met. Describe mm-hmm. some of those people. So um, we had, I'm going to, okay, so I have to say um, we went, as I told you, for the choir. And our mission, we really went around town and we sang. And as I mentioned before, it was raining <laughs> the whole time we were there. So um, that was really interesting. But Babs Owen was, um, she was a preschool teacher, but she was like the children's minister kind of for the church. Um, and she came in and the first day we were there, we were still kind of tired because it's a long flight to get to Wales. Um, and she is, we're kind of hesitant just a little bit about going out in the rain and singing because, you know, your vocal cords and everything. And she goes, well, it's raining blessings. And so that really stuck with me throughout the whole trip. It was the first day. And I just remember thinking, you know, you're right. Like the bl- the rain is a blessing from the Lord. And that just really stuck in my head. And so she was just a constant encouragement throughout the whole time we were there. And then another couple that was super, super encouraging was Peter and Anthea Price. And they were our host home, Mary-Kate and I. Um, we stayed with them, and they are in their late 60s, early 70s. And I actually wrote a piece about them in the journal in the um, January-February um, issue. But they have a ministry, and it's a bunch of retirees, and they go into these homes, and I'm not homes, I'm sorry, schools, and they do skits, like from Bible skits, but they go into the schools and they minister. They can't technically share the word, but they act out the skits. And then if kids are to ask questions, they can answer. So it was super interesting just to hear, you know, you're never too old to retire from the Lord's work is what they told us. Well, did you know retirement is not in the Bible? You're right. And that's what they told us too. (laughs) Somebody said they didn't retire. They retreated and started Started doing other things. So as you went, uh, what was, what did you feel was accomplished? Did did, I know you were singing in the streets. Did people stop and listen, yes. or how, how did that work? So, um, one, I think we were an encouragement to the church because they are a smaller church. They meet within a school um, and set up and take down every day. But on the end of the, the Sunday, so that was the last day we were there, um, we had been singing throughout the week a lot. Like, I think it was about three or four hours every day that we were singing. Um, but we were having, like, a Christmas concert and so while we were singing throughout the week, another member from Cornerstone or a couple would be handing out flyers inviting um, just people who were passing by to their ministry on Sunday. And I believe that we had about 300 show up for the, the And that's service. a small and church. It's a small church. Yeah. So there were, I mean, the floor, we were in the gym of the right. school. They had, there was no empty seats. They had to pull out chairs and they had bleachers. And so it was super encouraging just to see, well, we stood out in the rain, and look what God did. <laughs> Amen. Blessings. 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 Uh, I, I wanted to go back and tell a little bit about Wales, and I don't know if you did research on it, but I, I've always been intrigued by Wales because uh, some some g- great poets mm-hmm. and and singers and different things that I don't do well. Uh, seems <laughs> like Wales produced quite a few of those. But Wales, uh, like I said, cl- as I, the last research I have, right at three million, mm-hmm. and uh, Christianity, fifty-seven uh, percent of of the population say they're Christian. Mm-hmm. Now, with that in mind, a large group, thirty-two percent in their census that they took last, declared no religion. So, over a third of the people 
have right. no religious, you know, mm-hmm. affiliation at all. Mm-hmm. Now, when we say 57% about Christian, we're not talking about attending church. Right. We're just talking about putting it on paper uh, when they have to list something. Right. So that's a... That's better than much. But when it comes to attendance, Wales is on that issue of nearly like an unreached people group for is the number of people attending church. It was. And they talked about that because they were always amazed because we were such a big group. And they were like, is this all of your choir? And we're like, no, we still have, you know, quite a few because they began to tell us that I think um, one church I know that somebody else was going to. I think she was just helping. But anyway, they ran about 12 people on a Sunday. And so, and I don't know the exact numbers for Hillcrest, but you know, it's, it's quite a few more than 12 on a given Sunday. And so that was really shocking to me. Um, I guess we grew up in the Bible belt and we have churches on every corner and they're, you know, they're filled for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, but they, they didn't, they don't have that. And also, um, and I'm sure you probably have it on your sheet, but the Welsh revival um, back in the 1800s that happened and, you know, Christianity, which is a big boom. You're right. And um, so for them not to have that anymore and just Shows to have you how it's it, fast it, it slips so, away. It does. It's got to be. And that's one reason I read that scripture that mm-hmm. I, I shared. One generation shall praise your works to another. If that is not passed on, this You're is right. what takes place. And uh, there's a tendency to drift and you have to fight against drifting. If you were in a in a boat or a canoe mm-hmm. and you were in a stream, uh, you'd to even stay where you are, you have to either throw the anchor out or you have to paddle even and to go further, you have to really trust the Lord and work hard. Well, you know, a lot of it is there's not a lot of Jewish people, there's not a lot of Buddhist people, but there at least the Christian faith is the main faith right. and it brings openness mm-hmm. to the possibility of it. And it has to do with its roots. You were talking about the Welch revival. Mm-hmm. Did you know that there was one that took place even before that, believe it or not? not. Yeah, I did the research. I knew that was the case, but mm-hmm. I had not really, in in studying church history, I'd studied the Welch revival, 1904, 1905 right. is when that took yeah. place. But they had more in the 1700s. It was when the Wesleys were preaching in England, but also the same thing was taking place in Wales as well. Hmm. And uh, this morning, you know, you were in devotion, and I did on Paul and how he would list the names of the people that had blessed him and was praying for them. Mm -hmm. Well, I thought about the Welch. uh, It was called the Welch Methodist Revival in the 1700s. And some of the names that are there that would preach— uh, around 1735, Griffith Jones was a was a preacher, and he preached throughout Wales and taught thousands how to read. That's where it started from. It started from an educational point of view. Mm-hmm. People wanted to learn how to read, and guess what he used? He used the scriptures to teach, you know, the language. Today, one of the most effective tools for evangelism is taking, teaching English as a second language. And uh, so that's always been the case. I always thought about where did Sunday schools start? Mm-hmm. You don't find them in the Bible. It started in a place called Sooty Alley with a guy who saw boys out playing on a Sunday and they didn't want to go to church and everything. So he started a Bible class teaching them. And he really is teaching how to read and how to do things, but he did it from a biblical point of view. And it would develop into a what we call today 
Sunday school. So it was a Sunday school movement. So God has his ways. And I, I thought that was interesting that it was through an educational process that the the first great Methodist revival took place. And it went on for several years. And while John Wesley was effective in England and his brother Charles, uh, what happened in Wales, it was more Calvinistic. This I love this because there's so many debates about Calvinism and Arminian reform and everything. Uh, well, they worked together. John Wesley was Arminian in more his thought. George Whitfield was more Calvinist. But working together, uh, they were used of God to bring a great revival to the United Kingdom, even to the United States. And that spread throughout all of Europe as well. So even in those early years, these these Methodists, before they were Methodists, they, that they developed the method. Two more things. They were circuit riders, just like John Wesley would do, and they would preach in the open-air fields. It was an amazing thing. I had researched that, and I thought, Lord, uh, you know, you are awesome. While God was doing that in England, mm-hmm. God was also working in Wales, calling out people. And that's that's in seventeen hundred. So we're right. looking over <laughs> we're looking over two hundred years. But the churches were filled, mm-hmm. and thousands were being saved. And then the Welch revival that you were talking about, Hannah, mm-hmm. Evan Roberts was the main person, yes. and. Later on, he had ha- he was a young, young man when he mm-hmm. first started doing this, and there were some issues with him later on. But God used him in a significant way in 1904 and 1905. It was just they had had, uh, back in 1850s, they had had pretty good things, but this one was one where over 100,000 souls were saved in that one year, awesome. and that was pretty significant for their population as, as Evan Roberts would share the gospel. And matter of fact— his preaching was different. Uh, his his was more animated. I don't know anything about that. Anna. Uh, his, his preaching was more animated and 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 more. I, I would say loud and, and rather than a lecture or anything like that. He would he would and yes, it was emotional. Mm-hmm. And and some people say, oh, it's just emotion. But no, God used an emotional person. Right to preach his word, and the response was with emotion. Matter of fact, uh, it changed so much that the people, when he would go around and preach and some other preachers, uh, they would start singing or hearing the preaching, and they would stand up and stop, start jumping. And they called them jumpers. Yeah. Uh, in that day, they were, you know, people that were shakers. You, you've ever heard of the shakers? Yeah. Shakers. Yeah. And then they were the Quakers. But these were the jumpers. And and when I read that, I thought, Lord, you know, uh, I, one of the groups that I've been privileged to work with is Ugandan Thunder. Mm-hmm. Ted Moody is their founder. And we've interviewed him two times and different times on Exploring Missions. Just a dear, dear person that I know and thank God for. But when he introduced the choir from Uganda, the children of Uganda, mm-hmm. he would say, now, in Uganda, worship is a total body experience. And uh, so with with Evan Roberts and those that were following him, it was kind of a total body experience that, that God would intervene. But that was in 1904, 1905. That's been right at 115 years ago. This is 2020. And from that... With the churches being filled, them having to bring chairs into the aisles, and it went on for years. Mm-hmm. They've gone to a church, churches 12, 
small, losing their effectiveness as a, uh, a movement of God. Right. You don't want to grow stale, do you, Hannah? No, sir, not at all. You got to stay with the stuff. And and the scripture that comes to my mind is what Paul would do. Paul didn't keep it with himself. Remember on the first missionary journey, he and Barnabas, but mm-hmm. they took John Mark with them. Mm-hmm. And on the way, they would pick up some on the second missionary journey. That's where they would probably, I think, would meet Luke. They'd find Timothy. And all these people would start traveling with him. So when Paul was gone, guess what? The next generation would take place. And so this is why your church, Hillcrest Baptist Church in Albany, has this connection with Wales. It's not just going to people that have never heard. It's people that have heard and have forgotten. And so that's why I read this psalm, Psalm 145, that says from one generation and your awesome works and and all the things. And notice what else it does. And I want to talk to you about singing and about what you do in the journal, a little bit about missions on that. Notice what it says. I shall sing of your righteousness. Music has a place for that in missions even, doesn't it? It does, yes, sir. And how how did the people, did, did the ones you went with, did they feel like they were on a mission uh, they weren't preaching, they weren't teaching, but they were singing. I would say so. Um, it was it was a different type mission. Tr- I say it's the best mission trip I've ever been on, but it was a different type mission trip I've ever I've been on. Um, I've been to Las Vegas and to um, New Orleans and a lot of in-state missions. Yes, and um, even Alaska. But we had a lot of downtime during these mission mission trips, and so at times, even then, it kind of felt like a vacation almost. I mean, we were still ministering, but we weren't on the go all of the time, which right. I'm that kind of person, Brother Bird. I like to have a plan. I like to be going full force. Um, but in Wales, you know, we weren't really doing door to door necessarily. We would be on the street, kind of hovered under a little canopy, just singing. And people would just stop and look at us because, <laughs> one, we were from America, which was a big ticket um, to talk to people as well. But they understand English they there. Do. They There's a few that still speak the old Welsh language. Yes. But most everybody does speak English, even if they do know the Welsh language. They do. And I, I don't, I think it's taught in schools now, the Welsh, Welsh, Welsh languages. I mean, the pastor could speak it pretty fluent, but nobody else really knew too much yeah. about it. Um, but they were soup. The the people passing by were so amazed because we went the week before Christmas, and so they were just they would stop and they would be like, "You you came from America before Christmas? Like you're giving up time with your family?" And they were just so grateful and so thankful that we were willing to give our time. Um, but I would say that the people that we were with. Um, they felt the same way. They just felt like we were we were always on the go, but it was such a good and refreshing way to share the gospel. Because, um, like I said, I've I've sang my entire life. Um, but we went into one hotel, and um, we were just kind of lined up. It was in the dining room, and I don't remember. We were singing. Uh, we sang Christmas carols. Um, more of the scripturally based ones, but there is a man in front of us, and he had asked us to sing a certain song, but it wasn't one that we had practiced, and so you know, so we know we can't. Um, and as we were singing, um, this man just breaks down, like he just starts weeping. Um, and of course, it was about the you know the the manger and Jesus's birth, and he just he gets up and he leaves, and it just hit all of us. We would all agree that you know the Lord, we know that the Lord just spoke to him. We don't know what about. We didn't even get to talk to him after the fact. 
but just to see how emotional he was and how it hit for him. Maybe the first time, you know, we won't know, but there was definitely a seed planted. And so um, I think we all really enjoyed it and really saw the Lord work. One of the greatest books I ever read was one concerning about how usually it's different people mm-hmm. influencing others before someone comes right. and reaps the harvest. Right. Yes, and Paul talked about watering. He talked about planting and all the things that going on. And so planting the seed is is, is vital. Right. If the seed is never planted, there will be no plant coming mm-hmm. forth. So in music, uh, like you did that, it was in a very thing. And it also gave recognition to the church of about the gospel that was being presented and shared there. Christmas time, even in Wales, I guess people are more open right. to, yes. to the, the gospel story than any other time because of the birth of Christ. Mm-hmm. So I, I, if, they, if they've got that kind of background that's in the Christian faith, they're going right. to recognize that and know that. I know when I was pastoring full-time, I would tell folks people will come to church at Christmas to hear musicals and to hear see plays at when they would not come any other time and we would use that as a tool. Yes, we'd share the gospel. Yes, we'd present it with a strong gospel message, but it was a time when people that don't come to church would come to church because yes, it, it just there's a drawing to it. Mm-hmm. We make we kind of pastors make fun of those folks that come on on Easter and Christmas, yes, but sir. praise the Lord, at least they come, they come then in. Yes, and I want to give them something. <laughs> well, our guest today on Exploring Missions has been Hannah Harrison. She's a journalist, a writer for AFA Journal. Do you have a um, do you have use an article every month? I do. I do either a two-page article or two one-page articles a month. One or the um, other. And I also write for The Stand, our online blog, and engage um, our younger okay. generation. Do you enjoy writing? I do. <laughs> did you know you were going to do that for, quote, a living? I when did you... not. I thought I was going to be a lawyer, and the Lord quickly told me that was not what was going to happen. So I can't imagine you being a lawyer, <laughs> Hannah. You would, I'm not sure they would... Uh, I think I would do well in court. Well, right? <laughs> anyway, well, I appreciate that, but I think you're doing well writing. Thank you. And people can get the journal. They, they can. can uh, journal has a website. Yes, we do. I think it's um, afajournal.org. I believe that is right. Mm-hmm. And you can find out. And matter of fact, that journal is great. It is uh, one of the best productions that AFA produces. Matter of fact, it was the very first when Brother Don on a mimeograph machine, he'd send out the journal mm-hmm. and it continues today with the radio and the blogs and all the things. It's still a vital part of what we're trying to do. And and our guest today again has been Hannah Harrison on a trip to Wales the week before Christmas, 2019, right? Yes, sir. Before the pandemic. Before the world ended. <laughs> uh, wow. And uh, I, I'll guarantee you those seeds were sown. Yes. And uh, let me share this with you. There's also Hillcrest Baptist Church where Hannah's a member. They have an ongoing ministry there in Wales. And let me share that with you. If you have time to develop an ongoing ministry to a church, a community, and see the progress that it makes, it makes missions even greater. Because remember, Paul would revisit those churches that he'd visited before to see how they were doing. Hannah, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, Brother Bert. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions here on the AFR uh, Radio Network. We appreciate you sharing with us, and we pray that God has touched your heart, that you will want to be on mission for Him. 
Listen next time as we explore missions in God's Great Commission.